will. During the time, and I know we've already been an hour into worship, believe it or not, but I'm going to take a 30-minute message and give you a 10-minute version. And uh, I really just feel to do this. And then I want uh, last night's, um, I want to pray for those that didn't get a chance to be prayed for as we had the time of healing and anointing. And GPC kids, you can be dismissed. But I want you to go into this year with confidence. I want you to go into this year that, um, you know, there were several testimonies as we met even with our intercessory prayer team on Thursday of inner healing that uh, show of hands, who experienced some inner healing on Sunday, that God began to do a work in your heart? Uh, maybe there's some other physical healing that took place. But my goal in this is, and the 10-minute the version, and I'm going to speed my speech. No, I'm kidding. I can't do that. Um, but my heart and my goal is as we step into this year, um, Pastor Joyce many years ago, when she God put the vision and the burden on her heart, to build this church, to establish this church 35 years ago. It was that it would be a church that was in the word and it was a church that was in the spirit. That there would be um, a healthy balance of the two, that true spiritual authority would come forth. And when you look at true spiritual authority, we're given tradition from the church. We're given tradition of how we interpret scripture, of, of what the apostles handed down and when you have right theology or right tradition and it, it affects the way you worship, the way that you live, then you open yourself up for the Holy Spirit to set you ablaze when you're worshiping in spirit and in truth. And I want to give you the scripture. It's John 16, 14 through 15. And I've titled the message, uh, which actually comes from a church father. Can we all just say hi to Ivory Rome? She's a month old. She's here today. Um, Andrew and Sierra, we welcome you back out of quarantine as well. Um, I feel like every Sunday we need to welcome someone back out of quarantine. Uh, the Webs are in quarantine. That's why they're not here today. Be praying for Pastor Webb and their great grandkids. Um, but every Sunday we'll just have a welcome back party. Um, but there is a balance of word and spirit. And my heart is, is when you get the right word, when you have right theology, right worship, then the Holy Spirit can set that ablaze and confirm and demonstrate that word that you've got revelatory knowledge of or that you're walking in the fullness of. But this is the prayer of, of the Holy Spirit. We actually read it a few weeks ago. Um, but it says in John 16, 14 through 15, if you open your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. It says, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. So this is a, a powerful passage of the Trinity. We see the relationship of the Trinity in John 16 and John 17. And what it's saying is, is what's being passed down, handed from the Father to the Son. The Son is handing it to the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can declare it to us, to his church. And so when we open the word of God, when we worship in spirit and in truth, what we're getting is the Holy Spirit handing revelation, handing the word, declaring the truth of the word of God. And a lot of what this can be understood in more of a, uh, of a holistic sense is it's through tradition. 
Tradition literally means, uh, if you look up the definition, it's the passing on from one generation to the next or the handing on of something. And we understand that it's through tradition we're given the word of God, but even more powerfully, that what we saw Jesus do, what we saw the Father do, the Holy Spirit's the one that reveals it to you and I. Isn't that exciting? When you live a spirit-filled life, this is what takes place when a word is opened up to you or you experience the charism of the Holy Spirit. You experience healing, prophecy, the things and the gifts that he gives us. When Jesus changes your life, it's through the working of the Holy Spirit. Scripture's full of this, that we can't even come to Jesus without the guiding and the prodding and the nudging and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to look at, and with the title of the message, it comes from a church father. His name is Augustine. He was a, a huge influencer of the early church. But how he described the work of the Holy Spirit was this. He described it as beauty. And to put it in a, in a, in a poetic understanding, it was, oh, beauty, how ancient, or newly, go ahead and put it up. I, I just wrote it down. It's, it's hitting me. I'm changing things up for you. It's our sermon graphic. I think I have it written down. Um, let's see. Oh, beauty, ever ancient, ever new. This is how he described the work of the Holy Spirit, that it was, oh, beauty, ever ancient and ever new. Just as he moved back then through the leading of the church, what are we seeing through King of Kings? It kind of gives this story of how the church was born and how the church was started, how the Spirit set it aflame, how the church was born. And so when he described the work of the Holy Spirit, it was a work of beauty and how it was ever ancient and ever new, that we pull on our ancient roots, but he's consistently and constantly still doing a new thing. Aren't you thankful that he does a new thing in your life and in your world? And that with the experience that we have is charismatic, that we can look into the tradition of the church and say, give us some context to what you're doing and how you move and how you work. I like to say that um, us as a church here at Gathering Place, that we're classical charismatics, that there's this move of the Spirit um, that you have to be careful of that is maybe new age or that is, is uh, clever and crafty and new, that you have to be careful of and you have to discern um, that there's not witchcraft, that there's not practices um, that are a new age movement. We've talked about this but to give you the 10-minute version, we can't go into context. Um, but what I want you just to, to meditate on this morning and to muse on is how the, the work of the Holy Spirit is something beautiful that he wants to do in your life. And it's ever ancient and it's ever new. So being a, a charismatic, right? We're charismatics. Um, now, when you say the word charismatic, I really want to give a definition to that. And then I want to give a definition to tradition. Because being a classical charismatic doesn't mean that you're one who is just emotion-led. Or maybe you've even heard when someone says, oh, they're charismatic. You think of a, of a big personality. You think of someone who's good with their speech, is very, uh, has charisma. Uh, but being a charismatic is what the church has always been. And when you understand the heritage that you have through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you want to foster that and you want to steward that and you want to grow in that, to experience, as Paul says in Ephesians, the fullness of the faith. And when you have the work of the Holy Spirit in you, it is just not a feeling, it's just not an emotion. See, there's times where we, in this time of worship, we felt his presence. 
but there's times you don't feel his presence, but just because you don't feel his presence doesn't mean his presence isn't with you or in you, right? We talked of, of Christmas, that we're incarnational beings, that uh, the incarnation continues in us, that we grow in the image and the likeness of God. And so the charismatic movement getting to say all of this can be robbed simply by just always going for a feeling versus a knowing that Christ is in me. And at times, a manifestation might come through a feeling, might come through lifting our hands, might come through um, a, a shout, or might come through jubilance where I'm excited for what the Spirit's work is doing. And so there's manifestations you see through the Bible. You read the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit moves in some amazing ways. Case in point, you even see, um, what is it that um, a shadow, was it Peter's shadow, right? That Peter's shadow healed. Um, but when you go and look at that, it wasn't the physical shadow. It's they said, we thought his shadow healed. So it was the appearance that his shadow healed, but it was the Spirit of God using uh that which is tangible to bring a spiritual reality forth. It's just like, example, the laying on of hands. When we lay hands on you, it's not the hands that heal you. It's just the vessel for the Holy Spirit to move through, to touch you, and to heal you. Same with the oil. It's not the oil that heals you. It's just something tangible to represent the Holy Spirit. And so we know this in our faith that we're given these, these um, charisms, as the church would talk about. And when we have these charisms, we have to understand, um, and it reminds me of one of my favorite church fathers as well, St. Simeon, the new theologian, who would be at the first millennium of the church when he was alive. And he would be what was known as the first mystic. The way that they described spirit-filled charismatic believers would be mystics. And that was kind of the terminology of that time. And personally, I've been on this journey to, to dig into the early church and say, where is the move of the Holy Spirit then? Why is there this disconnect between some traditions that say it's passed away and other traditions that are alive and well and operating in it? So there's extremes to everything, but my heart is to bring the word and the spirit together and say we want the charisms, but we want tradition to guide us in them so that we don't step in heresy or we don't step too far over here or that we just get lost in tradition and we never let the Holy Spirit move and do. Does that sound like a place we all want to be? Found right in the middle of the word and spirit moving, alive, active, and power, powerful within us. And just like Augustine said, it was ever ancient, ever new. But what St. Simeon um, described it as, and really his heart, um, can you hit me the other microphone? I think this one's acting up on me. At least it wakes you up every five minutes. Test. Okay, there we go. Um, he describes it as this, and this was really his, his heart, is that he was wounded with a love for spiritual beauty and gave his life to acquire it. So again, they describe the moving of the Holy Spirit as something beautiful. And it really is. Kathleen's healing is, is a work of beauty, right? Of the Spirit of God touching and moving and doing. And just like we said, what Jesus did in her, the Spirit did in her, he can do in you today. And I'm believing for some of you that are still believing God for healing that these next, really the month of January is we have specific times of prayer, that our services are going to be more immersive, more worshipful, just to give room for the Spirit of God to do what He wants to do. And for me just to say, Holy Spirit, 
I've got my message, I've got my plan, but you have room to take longer to do whatever you want to do. Um, so have a good breakfast before you come to church in January. Um, but in understanding this, we see that um, understanding what it means to be charismatic, to be a classical charismatic, to want the Holy Spirit, and to do it in a way of spirit and truth, as Paul would put it, as you take the summary of everything Paul wrote, it can be summarized as this. It was the manifestation of the Spirit is for the common good of the people. So when the Spirit moves and manifests, it's for your good and it's for my good. And so it's not to be afraid of that. And there's messages you can go and read. One series in particular we have is Unleashing the Gospel, where we talk about all these different scarecrows that keep people afraid of experiencing the fullness of the Spirit. That many times there's can be a, a weirdness put on him. There can be a thing where I, I'm scared to experience him. I'm scared to surrender because I don't know what's on the other side. Or maybe you're just more intellectual. We're all built and made different. Some of us are more receptive to the Spirit, but we don't like to study or we maybe don't like to read or, or engage that way versus, you know, we love to study, we love to read, and you've got to spell it out and lay it out. And for me to lift my hands never happening kind of thing. Um, so there's these different ways. We're all built differently. But when the Spirit of God touches you, it's undeniable. It's very real. Real. You don't have to make him move. He just moves. And this is, this is what I want us to be as a church, is that we don't make him move. We don't work him up. We don't try to, to, to help him, but just simply to open the door and say, Holy Spirit, have your way. We're going to bring spirit. We're going to bring truth. We're going to open the word of God. We're going to sing songs that are, are biblically honoring and, and true to the tradition of the church. And in that, that he would move as you lean in and as you engage and as you surrender and as you say, here I am, I'm available. Another great definition I found, and this is, again, from the church fathers. Um, so it might sound a little different than what you've been used to, but it says, it's a stable disposition of the soul in which the Holy Spirit manifests. It's a stable disposition of the soul. So there's a steadiness that I know he's with me. It's not feeling-based. But in that steadiness and in that stability, he can move and he can manifest. And when you look at the charisms of the Holy Spirit, it's for the edification of the church and the evangelization of the world. That's why he moves. It's always for mission. It's not... There's times we need renewal and we need refreshing, yes, but it's all with the end goal in mind to edify the church, to edify the body, and evangelize the world. That's why he is given to us. And when he's used outside of that, you have to be careful because you can't use him for manipulation. You can't use him for personal gain. But when he's used for the edification of the body and the evangelization of the world, that's where you open up a highway for him to do whatever he wants to do. So if you're taking notes, write that down. The purpose is for the edification of the church and for the evangelization of the world. I like this one as well is there's a spiritual readiness for when God moves in a particular way and as I respond to make his glory manifest for the edification of the church and the evangelization of the world. When you have the Holy Spirit, there's always a spiritual readiness that you're ready to move with him, that you're ready to, to walk with him, to go as he, he's, he's leading and doing. 
I like to say when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit is they're uh, motion activators. That when you step out and you need healing or when you need to give a word of knowledge, all the charisms we see is that as you step out in faith, he'll be there to meet you as he wills and as he does. So there's a risk element. There's a faith element. Uh, but my heart this year is that you begin to take some steps of faith. Uh, we're going to see there's a quote from another church father in the fourth century who had a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. His name was uh, St. Basil. And what he talks about is how it's activated in our life. And I want you to see this. He says that artistic skill dwells in the artist and the grace of the Spirit is always present in its recipient, even if the grace is not perpetually in operation. The artist's skill exists as potential within him. See, when you have the Holy Spirit, you have all the potential of who he is. But look what he goes on to say, and I think you might have this in the back, Tim. He says that the Spirit is continually, or he says the artist's skill is, exists as potential within him. Only if he works is the potential activated. So as you begin to work, then that potential of the Spirit within you can get activated. He can begin to birth new things. You can begin to see him use you to set you apart, to set you out, and begin to, to work the things of the Spirit in you. So he activates it. He says that the Spirit is continually present with those who are worthy, but actively works as he needed, whether in prophecy or healings or other wonderful works. Again, this is a father from the fourth century who had a lot to say about the Spirit of God. And so he uses this word activated that you have all the potential of the Holy Spirit in you. When you come to Christ or filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to then ask him, it's, I want to activate this, or I, I want the Spirit of God to come forth. And as you step out, he'll work, he'll move, and he'll do. And those of you who have experienced the charisms of the Holy Spirit, experienced healing, it's amazing, and, and you want more of him. And it's, it's this excitement and this adrenaline to go deeper in the things of the Spirit. Um, a few other things, and I found this uh, interesting. This is um, also a, a priest uh, in the Dominican uh, region, and uh, there's a few pictures, and he's, his way of, of prayer, his mysticism, his aestheticism uh, was greatly documented, as he would be one of the first mystics as well. And so he uh, had different ways of prayer, and I, I just want you to see these. And again, I'm, I'm saying all this to show that the Spirit of God was at work in the church from the beginning, and that this wake you up to see, wow, there's tradition, and there's, um, with Scripture, we can see how the Spirit of God manifests and how he works. So a few of these pictures, um, these are, are, again, from the year 1000. Seth, if you want to, or Tim, if you want to put these up, but I just want you to see them. And they make comment, and they make commentary. As you go through this, you see him bowing. You see him uh, laying prostrate. So this might be uh, what a, a modern charismatic service looks like, right? That we, we do some of these things. Uh, I want you to pause there for a second. I don't think we've ever seen this in a church service, but this is um, uh, Dominic in a, in a posture of discipline. And if you see what he's holding around his neck, it's actually a chain, and uh, it's – 
it's showing that there's discipline, that I'm, uh, I'm disciplined, that I'm, I'm linked to the Lord. Whatever he leads me, this is the way that I go. Um, so I'll bring some chains next week, and if you need to come to the altar and work on some discipline, there we go. Um, you'll see some other ones. You'll see just the hands in a posture of receiving. If you pause on this one, this one is pretty amazing. And you can look these up. It's If you just Google the nine uh, prayers of St. Dominic, there's a lot of really neat stuff in here. Um, but what you see is his hands open, his hands, so his hands open in a posture to receive, his hands over his heart, and then his hands lifted. And it's just a sign of, of just meditating on the heart of Jesus and then giving him adoration. Uh, the next few here. This one's pretty neat. This is just simply making the sign of cross for the cross. Now, uh, us charismatics, we're no stranger to this is what we do, this is who we are. And what's ma- amazing about uh, this is, is what you'll see as you read is there was a young boy who, uh, uh, the story goes that he had drowned, and they had pulled him out, and they had brought him to the church. And uh, as Dominic uh, uh, saw him and began to pray him, he simply just put his hands, like you see there, over him, and tradition shows that the boy was healed, is he lifted his hands. So again, we know that it's not in the lifting of the hands that something miraculous happens, but it opens up a posture to receive. And so this is what this is communicating to us, that from the beginning there's power in how you can open yourself up to receive the Holy Spirit. I think we might have uh, a couple more. This one uh, is my personal favorite. You'll actually see him uh, in this uh, type of stature where he's pointing an arrow to heaven. Uh, and this is communicating that, hear my prayer, let them be strategic, let them be on point. You ever prayed something where you were very strategic in what your ask of God was or what you were believing for? This is communicating that, that I'm, I'm being very strategic in what I'm asking God to do. So we'll kind of rest it there. Um, and, and I want to leave you with these two things as we look at kind of the tradition side, is tradition would be understand that it's an experience and that it's living. That tradition isn't something that's dead. Religion is dead. Religion and tradition are two different things. Tradition is something that is understood by the church, that it's living and it's experiential, that you should be able to experience the tradition of God, of the apostles handed down. Number one, the experience is this, is that This tradition, which comes from the apostles, develops in the church with the help of the Holy Spirit. Comes from the apostles, develops in the church with the help of the Holy Spirit. Number two is living. It's the words of the Holy Father's witness to the presence of this living tradition. One father said, too, that tradition is the life of the Holy Spirit in the church. So when we study tradition, we get to know him better and get to know him closer. And so I want us to be a church that isn't afraid of tradition, isn't afraid of ancient faith, but uses it as a guide to guide us in deeper to the things of the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to give a quick overview for you to see this. I want to invite a worship team up, and uh, I'll probably get on and do a, a deeper teaching on this during the week and get it out to you. But... Um, I want to take this time 
and I want to pray for those that didn't receive prayer. And I just want to ask the Holy Spirit that he would come alive in you and that you would see the beauty that it would be ever ancient and ever new, that he do a deep work in you this year. And as we are worshiping, um, if you're still believing for healing, if there's still a place of inner healing that you need, I want you just to open up. I want you guys to do available again. And I want to sing that, and then I want to invite those up that didn't, uh, weren't here last week, didn't experience the laying on of hands as we anointed and as we healed. Um, and then I asked our prayer team that during this time, if you're uh, to sense or to feel, if someone just has a, a word of encouragement um, that you sense God doing in you, uh, please come and just let uh, my dad know and, and talk with him, and then we want you to share that with the church. But I believe that the Holy Spirit, always in the beginning of the year, he's very strategic. And I want you to go deeper in the things of God and the gifts of God this year. That's what I love about the charisms is they're gifts. And just like we said in, in, uh, in John 16, that he longs to liberally give them. And even says in, in or 1 Corinthians 12 is that the gifts are given liberally. And what's the nature of a gift? It's to be given. And so I want you to grow deeper in the gifts of God and the charisms of the Holy Spirit that they come alive in you and that you begin to see the beauty of them. I say this from experience. Um, I couldn't imagine, you know, there's thoughts and doctrine and tradition that says the gifts passed away with the original apostles. St. Simeon, who I, I mentioned, um, who was one of the first missionaries, he said, how could that ever be? And he actually said that that's one of the most heretical things you could ever say because that's implying that Jesus deserted his church. And so as we're here in, in the middle of Christ came, sent his Holy Spirit, we believe he's coming again, we need his spirit and we need his presence because without it, we live in empty, dry, boring, um, not spirit-filled life. And so when, when the charisms get activated in your life, which I believe those of you who have not experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit, this is going to be a year you're going to. Um, quick testimony. I remember in my time of study at ORU, I had a, a professor who taught me Hebrew, and uh, she grew up in Jerusalem, uh, came to ORU, experienced the, the Spirit. And uh, one of the first stories that she told was uh, how, did, how she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. She was a young girl in uh, the 60s, and there was a, um, her dad was, uh, worked at a clinic and, and was a doctor, and a couple, her mom was a nurse, and she would just be there as they were working and doing. And uh, there was uh, a break-in from some terrorists that broke in to, to rob, and she remembers hearing a gunshot. Didn't know who it was, but she hid under the bed. And she, she tells the story as the coast was clear. She just took off running. And as she began taking off running, she begins praying. And for the first time, she heard a language that came out of her mouth that she didn't know that she had. And she began speaking in tongues. And it, and it was in that moment that she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Kind of a, a crazy crisis moment. 
but just to see when you need him the most, he's always there. And uh, in a season of a pandemic, in a season of a lot of hurt, pain, and loss, um, our world needs him. We need him. And if we don't represent him and show the beauty of who he is, beauty is what attracts us. And the spirit of God is, is beauty. And if we can allow that beauty to immerse within us and that people see him through us, we can begin to see our friends, our family, go deeper in the things of God. But you've got to do the hard work. You've got to study. You've got to read. You've got to pray. Um, but that's the works of our faith where he can become alive in us. So I want you to stand. I want to pray for you. And if this is your heart this morning, he only comes in when you invite him in. And so my heart is, is that you would just open up your heart, and as we sing this, that whatever he has for you this year, that you just say, I'm available. Here I am. You can have it all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Pray blessing over this church, blessing over your people. God, as we see that you've been at work in the beginning of the church, we thank you that you've established this church where we can know the power of the Holy Spirit. We can know the power of your word. Father, I ask that you take us deeper, you take us further, that things, the potential that's within us through the Holy Spirit, that whatever you want to activate this year, we say I'm available, we give you permission. Maybe this is the year we experience healing like Kathleen did in a place that we've been believing for four years. Maybe it's a place where we take our next step in our faith and we experience a new charism of the Holy Spirit that comes alive in us. Father, we, you, we know that you want to edify your church and you want to evangelize the world. That we are the body of Christ on the earth. It's a mystery. It's something mystical. But Father, we want to represent you as you're in us and within us, and as the Holy Spirit hands on truth to us from Jesus, as he gives us the gift of your word, the gift of revelation of your word, of your spirit, we ask that you break us open, that we not care what the person around us thinks, that we not care about what we might have to lay down. But God, when we taste of you, it's always good. It's always nourishment. It's always refreshing. So, Father, as we say this, as we declare this and sing this, we do it in faith. And we ask that you come and do a new thing. We thank you for new wineskins, for the new wine of the Holy Spirit, that you renew us right here, right now. Father, I'm expectant for what you're going to do in your church. But it starts here with a confession saying, I'm available. I'm available, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.